I swear. Wrestling Podcast. Hello, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Uh, and what's happening? Um, well, we're at Bun Leisure. That's it. It can mean only one thing, can't it? Wrestling, yeah. wrestling Wednesdays are back. Summertime. Yep, we started the summertime. six weeks. Spectacular. How does that go? That Shaggy song, is it? It's summertime. Uh, summertime. Summer. I don't know. Summer, summer, I summer. I different songs. I'm oh, I don't know. know. Yeah. About but anyway, it's yeah. the summer. And it's our favourite time of year. So, big big match today. So, uh, yeah, it, it is our favourite time of year because, and it's a, it's a great time for um, for people who are, say, the, the students of the Portsmouth School of Wrestling to get a lot of matches under their belts um, and to to gain some very important experience, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah, you don't get better at it by not doing it. You don't go better at it by sitting in a training school every week. And also, there's some big old crowds, isn't there? So. You know, um, which I think uh, I think some people take for granted a little bit. You know, it's like uh, I don't know. Like I just feel that some people uh, see the camps as a step down when really it's a first step up, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think if you put the same weight and emphasis behind those camps as you do the hall shows, um, I think that's when you become the complete wrestler because yeah. you. So so I'm not comparing like wrestling on a holiday camp to wrestling at Wembley Arena, for example. But you wrestle differently in a social, you know, working men's club, a community centre than you would at Wembley Arena, for example. So you're only going to get more equipped to wrestling in front of more people, entertaining a bigger room by wrestling in front of more people. So holiday camps are renowned for having audiences of, you know, top end up to 1,000, sometimes 2,000 plus, you know, the bigger ones. So, yeah, for anyone, I don't know, I don't know if we talk about anyone specific, but anyone who's, no, who doesn't want to like do the camps I just, <laughs> but I just think mad. That, but I just think a lot of people, I see a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves when, for example, they work my uh, uh, hall shows. And it, it may, may be in front of less people. It may be, for example, the London Cockpit in front of 200 people. I know you're under a microscope there. Um, so it's a very interesting discussion to have, really. Um, but they put more pressure on themselves for that match than they do for a holiday cap match in front of 1,000 people. And I know they have the security, the safety blanket of the fact that the fans, it's generally call and respond, isn't it? In the sense of like the fans here are here for a good time. They're, they're the perfect type of, of fan. They're here to have a good time. They're on holiday. They're here to have a good time. They're not here to judge. They're not here to criticise. They just, they want to have a good time. It's like one of those things where if you walk into a uh, into a movie thinking this is going to be rubbish, it's a lot harder to change your mind than yeah. if you walk into a movie with an open mind saying... I've just spent a lot of money on this movie and I'm going to have a good time watching it, you know. Um, so I think that um, that's the only real difference. And I always say to everyone as well that even though it, the majority of audience is children, I always say that the, um, the trigger points of what makes them cheer, what makes them boo, what makes them leave their seats, what le- makes them in suspense, those trigger points are um, exactly the same as in adults. You might just need to work a little bit harder to get them. But the first step... To, to get into that point where you have to work harder to get them is working out what those trigger points are. Yeah. You only learn that from experience. You only learn that through doing. Um, and I think that um, I think that uh, there are I think again there are some people who perhaps take the, the camps too lightly. We make an emphasis here to never do that and to to put a strong emphasis on delivering a high show quality um, 
you know, what we're kind of renowned for, and that's how we wound up with this camp so all those years ago in the first place, um, was by delivering that high quality and not just being like, this ah, will be the tenth it's season. a night off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, the crowds are getting busier, um, and they get a different show every single week and they get they come more than once they never see the same show twice um you know they get episodic stories that they can follow if they want or you know for a one off it it works for a one off as well so um yeah that's uh, that's kind of where we're where we're at with the, with the camps so it's a good time it's a good t- it's a good learning time and i think it's a very productive time um, yes. for for any any wrestler okay so there we go all right what, what else were you up to um I wrestled on Sunday. Oh, did you? IPW oh, you UK. Oh, that's the, the old... The Iron Lions. The old stomping grounds of both yeah. of us, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you want a job back? I can ask the promoter if you like. Nah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm no, big sure. shout out to Billy. You're a good lad. I like Billy. I'm sure, I'm sure like I say, like, he's, he's doing good things, isn't he? He's, uh, he's, he's got the right intentions and he's, he's trying to push the brand on and he's got some good ideas and, um, yeah. And one of them, one of those great ideas was bringing you back. So tell us, a bit, tell us a bit about your, your time at IPW. Well, I think he heard about how well um, the Iron Lions were doing with their win-loss record on the South Coast Portsmouth School of Wrestling shows. So he messaged me and he said, fancy doing a couple? And I said, I think I might have told this story here before, didn't I? I'll have to ask James. I'll see what his schedule permits, what it, what it allows. And anyway, James said he was up for it. So, uh, yeah, me and James, we took on and we defeated... Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm, and I like to think we derailed their momentum heading into their big Ring of Honor weekend. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Maybe they should just take them Swap out the teams over. and put you guys in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what I assumed it was. That's why we tried I'd extra hard. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, Andy Boy Simmons versus the Young Bucks. Yeah. That would be good. <laughs> that, would be that, that would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, so that was it, really. It was just a good show. Jeff Jarrett was there. Doug was there. Hurricane Helms was there. Lovely, lovely, lovely like change rooms. Doug Williams. Yeah, Doug Williams, yeah. yeah. All right, Linsky. <laughs> Douglas <laughs> was there. <laughs> Who else was there? I don't know. A whole crew of people. Real nice. Some of the guys from our school were there. James Castle was on the show. Zoe Lucas. How did James Castle get on? Um, he was watching Sammy Smooth, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he won his match. I saw bits and pieces of it, but not. But do you know what was nice, actually? The changing area is essentially one half of the nightclub. So they had all the screens on, and we were watching the show. Oh, that's it. nice. Yeah. yeah, there's like 20 screens to watch from. Yeah. One thing I did th- say, without sounding like the... The old B. <laughs> Everyone leaves after their match now. Oh, I don't like that. There's just like, you know, oh, see you later then. Oh, you're not going to stick around and watch the main event. Their yeah. main event for a reason, you know. Like, whether, you, whether you're a particular fan of their work or not, the promoter clearly is. So if you want to get to the main event... Watch and learn. You should watch and learn. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm always a big advocate of watching all the shows. So, like, watching what's before and after you. So, like, you watch what's before you so you can see... You know, so you can bollock people for nicking your stuff. Yeah. You watch what's after you, so you can nick you their can stuff nick next their time. Stuff next time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, but no, like you get you get a general vibe and and to understand it's it's all about having that background knowledge of the promotion and treating it like it is a, a job. Like you don't go to a job interview and not well, some people do and don't get the jobs, but you research the company first, don't sure. you? Sure. And like, if you continue researching, you see what it takes to get yourself to that next level and what people are doing and what works. And I always say, I feel, and again, I'm not saying I'm the best but I'm the no but I, I feel that when I uh, w- the reason why I was successful as a booker when I first started um, was because I'd refereed I watched every single match on the card mm-hmm. and like many shows obviously people scrimping and saving on their money you know you'd have one referee the whole show um, so I'd see literally every single match from first match to the last match and I'd be able to see what worked in what positions you know 
when's the time for the near falls? You know, in the main event, perhaps, not in the opening match. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, like, what burns a crowd out, you know? When's a good point to put in a comedy match if you've got one of those, you know? I just feel that it's just so valuable. I think, like, if you're, uh, if you're learning the, the job, um, it's so valuable to spend as much time around the business as possible, consume as much wrestling as possible. And if you're not booked on the show, I'm always an advocate of, if you're not booked on a show, but you can get to it, then come along Why to would it you not go, and yeah. bring your gear as well, just in case, because you never know what, what's going to come up. Yeah, well, we had the, we had a prime example of that the other day, didn't we, with a couple of lads who came to help the ring, and then I was oh yeah, after absolutely. Board, I said, yeah, right, yeah. you got your gear, haven't you? Yeah, well, you needed because the other car's going to be late. So and they got on and did a match on the fly, right? Yeah, well, essentially, so, yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's another reason why you have to be uh, prepared as a professional <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to be able to to do stuff on the fly. Um, so yeah, so that was a good little uh, good little experience for well. But good little, there's some good little advice for you all. Yes. Coming from the old B. I like so that. <laughs> that's what my nan would say. <laughs> oh, you B. Not to me, but she wouldn't call me a bastard. Yeah. Oh, is that, what, is that what the B yeah. stands for? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the buzzing, the buzzing kind. Oh, no, 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 like no. It's an abbreviation. Oh. Yeah. If I didn't, I, well, we don't want to swear, do we? So. You're an old B. Yeah. But would your nan use an uh, abbreviation or would she use a full word? No, she'd say B. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. she'd literally I'd say just like B. Her, I'd like the thought of her calling you a. <laughs> <laughs> an old, yeah, no, just an old B, but she'd never say it to me because she loved me. Um, so uh, we went to the wedding of Craig and oh, uh, yes, Kerry yes. on uh, Friday. Yeah, that was a nice time, wasn't Wrestlers it? Wrestlers galore, wasn't it? There was yeah. on our table anyway. The LT machi- Summers, the Mean Machine, Terry Frazier, yeah, Tom Chamberlain, Tom Chamberlain. Um, um, that was probably it. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, you, <laughs> me, yeah, I was there. Um, yeah, it's a lovely day. Big shout out. He listens, doesn't he? So yeah. it was a very, very nice day. Like Big generally. shout out to Boom. Hell of a hell of a best man speech from That Boom. was very funny, wasn't and it? And we know yeah. he listens. Yeah. So. And he That's where he gets most of his material from, for his speech. He's like, yeah. I listened, did some research. The delivery, the certainly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He, um, I didn't realise Craig was a backyard wrestler. Yeah. Cold as ice, yeah. CJ's, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember now, but it was pretty. It was a very good speech. Shout out to that young man. Um, so here we are at Selzy. We're going to... Um, the subject is we're going to sort of revisit an old subject with new um, examples. So, so, so we, new stories. we spoke about. So, this is so back in the day, we thought we could keep these podcasts to about half an hour, forty-five minutes. We've since established it's not possible because we've just got too many. We're stories. just great storytellers, aren't yeah. we? You know, we've got so much to talk about. Um, and we spoke about um, it was called card subject to change. So I guess this is card subject to change part two. So I guess that plays into a little bit about. Always turning up, always bringing your gear, because you never know what might come up. So every now and again, we have to change things around. Yeah, and today the card has had to change. Oh, it has actually, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, which is kind of a, it's almost like it happened deliberately um, to just give us a point to illustrate for our uh, podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah, so one of the wrestlers on today's bill um, was, hang on, I, I want to get the quote right. Okay. Um, Okay, so let's see. Um, it's not been replied to yet, actually, the message, because I get upset when stuff He's like He's still feigning illness, that's why. No, I've not replied myself. Oh, you've d- oh, right, okay. Yeah, so. Kept awake all night with an awful cold. Was the, uh, that was it? Uh, well, no, it was, it was a bit longer than that, but it was like, not going to be able to make Selzy today, I'm afraid. Kept awake all night with an awful cold. So he's Have liaised with Dan to ensure our wrestlers still <coughs> picked up. So, um... So he's called in sick, mm. as in Via poorly sick. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, right. let's make that funny. It was poorly sick. It wasn't broken leg sick. It wasn't, No. you know, I got called into work sick. Yeah. So. Okay, not sure how I feel about that. 
always make yourself available. I, d- I don't know. Like I've never, like personally, I've never missed a show. Like I had a show when um, uh, you, you remember, like a few weeks, not a few weeks, a couple of months, few months ago, maybe. Remember when I did the ring announcing when I was definitely ill with a few flu. Oh, uh, the when Ste- Yeah, when Steve Linsky called in sick. Yeah, he's like oh, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, oh, was he ill as well? Yeah, he said he was sick. Oh, really? I was actually. Sick. Oh, so it's far more prevalent than I realised. Yeah, calling so in. So I sick. was actually sick and. Uh, um, and like you see the pictures of me with my eyes like all glazed over, and you saw me sweating buckets. Probably sweating. Like, that's the worst yeah, thing. Was, isn't yeah, it? That yeah. Was a, that was yeah, that was that was a crazy time. I just couldn't stand. I couldn't do anything, but I still I made it through the the, the old cockpit. And you bounced back. Um, yeah, I bounced back stronger than ever. Yeah. So um, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I think it's always been an unwritten rule to you know you always make your bookings um, and you find a way to get there. Um, but that may have. That may be changing, you know. Uh, oh, clearly is, isn't it? Yeah. These millennials. Yeah, they um, don't want it like we wanted it. Because uh, I'll give an example of a story, which is, I guess, again, makes me out to be a bit of a bee. <laughs> 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 uh, was uh, w- we were doing a show. It's for a drummer, Sykesy. I do. Yeah, he was like he was northern, right? Yeah, um, he sort of ran. His wasn't his. Uh, his daughter was Chelsea Bubblegum Green or something, or Bubble Bubbles. Yeah, that could be yeah, right. Yeah, I think that so. Could be right. Yeah. So anyway, he was running a show and he'd always asked me, you know, to bring a car with me. So, you know, one time I took Ian and I think I took LT and I think one time it was me. Grimsby. Yeah, Grimsby. But he also ran a seaside town, which name completely escapes me. I want to say Cleethorpes, but I don't think it is Cleethorpes. It might be Cleethorpes. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Aviv Mayan, who is someone who we don't talk about all that often, but was at the time like one of my best friends, who's part of sort of like and he was one of the uh, the shining lights of British wrestling. And if he was still doing it now, would probably be yeah at least in Japan. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, and um, and anyway, he had a severe case of diarrhea, and he but but he was still willing to wrestle. And I bet that was a long old drive as well. Yeah, it was a long old drive. I was driving, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, I remember he was sat in the back, and. Uh, and he was like, I need the toilet. And I said, okay, next next services we stop at, I'll stop. And I don't know, something must have made me think this would be hilarious, but <laughs> we got stuck in some traffic, I think. And Just to make it worse. <laughs> yeah, just to make it worse and slower. And um, and I said, oh, that sounds terrible. But yeah, uh, I drove past the services. <laughs> <laughs> right. But don't worry, people. Karma is going to come get me in a fantastic way. So, so there's poor Aviv in the back. He needs a poo. Yeah. Like, he's got diarrhea. Yeah. Like, but he's still <laughs> braved it out. Yeah. And he's going to make the show come hell or high water. He still made um, his bookings. And uh, he's in the car with his good friend, Andy Boy Simmons. He's stuck in traffic. So, and someone else. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest maybe that someone else put me up to it. <laughs> so anyway, we drove past the services. I turned around. Keep mind we're in traffic, so we weren't moving very fast. <laughs> I turned around and I went... Something along the lines of, oh, do you still need a poo? <laughs> and as I turned back around, I went, bang, <laughs> right up the back of someone else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. So as you say, karma came back to get you, you Calm, old bee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> karma got me in a great way. And uh, he got a good chuckle out of it. And then I think, actually, we were so close to the services, he probably, when we pulled over to exchange, <laughs> to to exchange he, he ran back. back. He ran back. Yeah. and uh, That was God's helping him out then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a bit, yeah. wasn't it? So, um, yeah. I Off do you l- go, mate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
I'll deal with this old bee for you. <laughs> and um, yeah, so but but to the point, like that, Aviv, good on Aviv for yeah. you know he get like diarrhea as well. That's <laughs> one no, of the worst. There's no laughing things. matter. Is no, it? that's one of the worst things to deal with, especially in a wrestling ring, and uh, you know getting thrown all over the place. But he stuck to his bookings, and I want to say I wrestled him that night. Oh really? Yeah. Did he get through the match okay? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, I don't think he did. But oh really? Yeah. No, I don't think he did. But I. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he still made it there. He was. Um. You know, the card did not have to change. Um. So yeah, leading on from that, that's what we're going to talk about now. Um. Some more high-profile. Um. Card subjects to change. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Okay. So, uh, wrestling no shows, Andy. Yep, take two. Because we've just finished Selzy, haven't we? We've just finished Selzy, and while we're here, we might as well reveal. Oh, don't be like that. <laughs> no, there's no need. No anyway, moving so, on. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm all right. I did actually hurt my thumb, but it's actually easing off a bit now. See, it's little things like that where people are not asking 21 to appreciate anything, but like sometimes you just bang yourself, and you go, how have I done that? Like, and it aches for the rest of the day. And yeah. then, there's, then there's times I think, I wish I just had an office job. But you can do that in an office job as well. True. Like this morning when I uh, got my cup of coffee. Yep. But my mouth. You oh were like, yeah. By the end of the day, you won't even remember that. I'm telling you now, the roof of my mouth is killing me. You were too greedy. I wasn't too like, greedy. Get like, in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a little bit of coffee, a little sip of coffee to wake me up in the morning. Not too much for a man to ask, is it? No. no. Um, but we have. We've now finished the wrestling show. We all had a good time. I won Good one match, had by all. lost another. Lost a Royal Rumble. Lost a Rumble, eliminated by Joshua James. You beat him in a singles, though. Yeah, so. star of the future. But he was quite a, a valiant comeback for a, for a bad guy, wasn't he? I he, know. He yeah. battled like... He Three battled good guys for about ten, felt like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Um, but there you are. So, wrestling no-shows. Yeah. So, so, so. Uh, can we do one quickly, like a... So this is perhaps uh, not the best one to start off on, but this is just a, and it is pr- it's definitely it's definitely not the most significant wrestling no show of my uh, my promoting career, shall we say? Because we've already we already touched upon in, in the previous episode no shows or high profile no shows um, that we could think of um, from from before we got involved in the business. Um, so when I was uh, running IPW. I uh, I booked Sabian Black G's, who's uh, he's come over to uh, se- several of my shows. I know him from NWE days. Um, he's a CZW CZW guys, yeah. Uh, and uh, and someone who you may well know called Ruckus. Do you remember Ruckus? Uh, well, you say that as if I do know him. I don't think I don't I've know ever him. Met him. No, I'm not asking if you know him personally, but you must know of Ruckus. He wrestled Jody in the Best of the Best Finals. I don't know. Oh, well, it was like a freeway, the best of the best finals. I don't think Ruckus was involved in that. Okay, well, anyway, how, how else would I know him then? Because he's like a little fat black man who does loads of cool flips. Oh, okay. My favourite type of wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but like, he, yeah, but he was like, in his time, so obviously, we, you know, I was, I've always been an indie wrestling lover, strong style tapes and whatever, and I guess you were probably trying to... What, so what I did had you do when Strong Style Tapes was dishing out all the... I had a fascination almost with just owning the tapes. So I can remember... So you had all these CZW tapes but never watched no, them? No, I had Best of the Best. and I had Best of the Best, certainly. The Johnny and Jody one. Best of the Best 2, I think it was, yeah. But I also owned things like um, 
Ah, do you remember probably the first videotape I ever bought was Song Style Tapes? King of a Deathmatch. No. That was everyone's. That was no, mine. no, it was a Tough Enough. He was oh, the, really? one of the first to have Tough Enough. Interesting. Yeah, and I, th- like that, that fascinated me tremendously. Um, I bought shoot interviews, and in my mind, in my head, I know we're not talking about no shows at all, but while we're on this subject, I come thinking it was almost going to be like um, uh, Michael Parkinson, you know, and like shoot interviews. I didn't know what they were. I didn't so realize it was going to be like be a, this is your life, or almost like I didn't realize it was going to be Morgan's life stories. Yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be just some bloke with his camcorder with a raggedy old banner. Did you own the uh, Christy Mist shoot interview Ooh, with Rob I Feinstein? I think I did, actually. There's something very unique about that shoot interview, wasn't there? Was she naked? Yeah. Yeah, or maybe I didn't then. <laughs> but really no. awkward. Like, what a weird marketing thing. I remember, like, getting it thinking I was all laddie and then instantly regretting getting it when I put it in the VHS player and I was like, my mum could walk in at any time <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yeah. how weird is that? I owned... um. I own the Bret Hart one, Shawn Michaels one. But again, they were all just, they, they weren't mic'd up as far as I can remember. Or the video quality was such poor, so poor because it was like third probably generation or something. Um, so yeah, when you were out there buying CZW Cage Match of Doom or whatever, I was, I was just... Cage of Death, mate. Get cage it, right? of Death. Um, I was purchasing, I don't know, Sonny and Missy Hyatt. Vixens, yeah. wrestling vixens. <laughs> that was it, yeah, <laughs> wrestling vixens. And I grew up actually Missy Hyatt saying that, and obviously this turned out to be completely untrue, but a quote from that, that shooting view, which I've always remembered, I don't know why it stuck me so long, she said, the only way to make internet uh, money from the internet is through pornography. Well, that's not true anymore, Which is it? the pornography dish, uh, if, you're, if Louis Theroux is to be agreed upon, uh, in one of his documentaries anyway, the, the internet is destroying pornography. Yeah, but... And I listened to a podcast, a Joe Rogan podcast. Again, I don't want to plug, plug any other podcast, but um, you know, porno- pornography is the only industry that still uses VHS. Yes, yeah, which so is probably yeah. But that's going to die out. But that's going to die out soon. Yeah, because yeah, all the old, the older gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> they don't <laughs> have DVDs. And they're, they're all the older gentlemen's D- VHS players are going to burn out. Yeah. Or they're going to burn out. One of the two, whichever happens yeah. first, that's going to die. Um, but yeah, like the obviously, yeah, the, that's true. The, but do you know who also watches Revolution Pro Wrestling? Joe Rogan. Missy Hyatt. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. She comments on it all the time. Not Goldberg. Not Goldberg. Can no. we tell that story? Just because no. it, it was fun in a sweet... It was a sweet... No, you know? no. Oh, come on. bullying people. <laughs> okay, so... So, anyway. Um, Did she listen? Probably. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I had Ruckus books. So, for okay. anyone who used to be a fan of CZW, um, you'd know Ruckus is a big deal, right? And, like, he was my first, the first indie wrestler. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. And, again, if you got into it at the same time I did, I know Terry Frazier knows what I'm talking about. Craig Garman knows what I'm talking about. If you got into it when I did, Ruckus was the man. Yes. Um, and, anyway, I booked him and uh, him and Sabian because they were a tag team at the time. Like I said, I was friends with Sabian. I never had any ins for Ruckus at all. But I was just like, can you get Ruckus to come over? He's like, yeah, sure. Oh, through Sabian. Through Sabian. Okay, they're right. obviously friends, yeah. And again, so I, I'll probably use this. I, I think I definitely said it with Ric Flair, like with the imports. So I'm a lot more, I feel a lot more secure now, but with the imports, I always feel like a, a in, in back in the day when you didn't have social media and they weren't posting pictures of the posters and whatever, the more contact you had through those people, from the people, the more secure you felt. Yep. So I remember my first import I bought over was Scotty Too Hotty, which was interesting because we'll come to him in a little was while. Was he the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Like, who I bought over on my own. So, yeah, like, yeah. we had, like, guys who, you know, like, oh, we've like spoken Eugene about. 
yeah, and like um, Vampiro, and, and we've spoken about um, you know El Generico, Kevin Steen, the guys who had sponsors flying them over. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I bought people over before, but he was certainly the highest profile and the first guy that I bought over as a salt. You know, when I was promoting the show. Um, yes, you know, about I mean, Bogner Regis. So Bogner, yeah, yeah. Um, which was incidentally, um, you know, how Selsey came about as well because they saw the advert for the, the advert for Bogner in the paper. Yep, didn't like the wrestling they had at the moment at the time. I just wanted to see if all wrestling was like that or if it was something different, and it blew their minds because, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but it blew their minds because, like, it was proper pro wrestling. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah. a, you know, people phoning it in and. Just whatever. tired wrestlers. Yeah, right. Be, you know, to yeah. be fair to them, you know. Well, they d- did a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like to be fair, they'd done a lot of work that week. Do you know what I mean? The, the old crew. And they put, you know, they'd, no one used to go watch it watch it themselves yeah. today. They'd literally no. get, we've talked about this before, I think, but they yeah, get like yeah. the bar staff to fill in the seats. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Andy Boy Simmons popped the territory for the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> well, there was an awkward rumour which was started by Marty Skull that you had retired one year. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few years ago. Somewhere, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny because me and Marty both, <coughs> like, but we hadn't. So people had asked us because there was one summer you didn't really do, right? Was you when you were in the doghouse or something? No, I don't think so. I think I was probably just. I don't know. I don't know. There was one summer you literally did like two weeks of. Okay. Yeah, in Bournemouth one week in. I don't Centre know. You were, you were like all over the place, but you, there was like one summer you did hardly any weeks of. Okay. And. Um, they were going like, a, and I think maybe you only did one week of, right? But they were like, get, people were asking us, where's Andy Boy Simmons? Where's Andy Boy Simmons? And like, people asked myself and Marty completely independently yeah. where you were. And we both said you'd retired. Oh, really? <laughs> just for a rip, you know, just for. Well, Karen today, she Karen. came to me, she bought a photo oh, of me today. Oh, fan, Yeah, and Shout she out said, to Karen. She said to me, oh, I was the one that tweeted at you the other day. Oh, really? Because yeah. she tweeted you Because I, I sent it to you. Do you remember? Yeah, I yeah, said, I look. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. her. Still over. Yeah, still got it. Um, anyway, back to Ruckus. So, you always like to get that um, piece of validation to say that yeah, uh, we're going to be there, right? Yeah. So, for Ruckus and Sabian, do you know what my validation was? What? It was a video promo. Oh, okay. And if you just trawl through the RevPro YouTube pages, you'll find it. Like, they're smoking cigars, or Ruckus certainly is. And uh, he calls himself the Chocolate Vulture. <laughs> 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 and, like, uh, and like, yeah, so he, he called that. You know, that was going to happen, and it was a uh, brawl at the hall, 2009 or 10, I don't know. Okay. Um, was a show that they were supposed to be at. It was in Sittingbourne, and um, yeah, he never, uh, it, it then like maybe the, the couple of days before, um, Sabian said to me, Ruckus isn't coming. Says he's hurt. I think he's lying. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So Ruckus didn't come, even though I'd got that promo for him, and I was devastated. So but Sabian so came. Sabian came. Yeah, Sabian round up. So we changed the match order. So like it, uh, however it, however it worked out, um, it wound up. I think it was Ruckus and Sabian were supposed to be working Marty and Zach, but it wound up. It wound up. We had Sticks and Malin we brought in to work those guys. Sabian then was added to a freeway, um, which was uh, Sabian, Johnny Storm, and Jimmy Jacobs. Then whoever was supposed to be working Leroy Kincaid in the main event, he w- didn't turn up either but I don't even remember who that Alex? was it wasn't Alex okay. no because it was after Leroy had won the belt so it was a show after he'd won the belt um, and I d- honestly for the life of me I can't remember who it was but the, but we kind of did a I kind of again trying to make something out of nothing did a storyline where Jimmy Jacobs is like the evil genius um, and Jimmy Jacobs got himself eliminated straight away in the um, in the freeway match um, and he says you know like a he comes out, Leroy comes out, he doesn't know who his opponent is. 
um, and, and Jimmy Jacobs comes out and says like, oh, as a, a genius says, you know, all the pieces, like an evil genius says something, all the pieces have fallen into place, you know, so like, he's like, uh, you know, they they said to, you know, Rev Pro matchmakers or IPW matchmakers and said to him, you know, you can wrestle Leroy Kincaid in the main event for the, the championship as long as you keep your contractually obligated triple threat match with Johnny Storm and, ah, okay. and save it. So like he's like, yeah, I'll do that. Cool. But then like as a, as a genius, he he got himself eliminated kept like himself within fresh. seconds, kept himself fresh to take out Leroy, who was unable to prepare for him. So who we did won? that little story. Uh, Leroy won in the end. Ah, yeah. he wasn't so, so genius then, was it? Well, it's a big size difference, isn't yeah. there? Leroy had a lot of momentum behind him at the time, a lot of confidence. Mm. So. You know, but it was a good little twist we did. Um, just again, trying to make something out of nothing. And just as a footnote to that, um, it wasn't like I'd lost all the money on um, Ruckus's flight because also sharing Ruckus and Sabian was uh, one Stephen Gauntley. Oh, Mr. Gauntley, we've not mentioned him in a while. <laughs> no. This is always so juicy. And I want to say he had a promotion called Pro Wrestling 101, but it might be a lie. It's just alphabet soup, isn't it? But yeah. Pardon me. Um, <laughs> or, or a numbers <laughs> game, as it may be. Pro Wrestling 101, something like that. Um, and it was their first show, and he had Ruckus and Sabian in a ladder match. Obviously, Ruckus wasn't there, but he's, you know, he he was like, well, I've committed to it, so I'm still going to pay my half of his flight, and obviously I'll pay Sabian's half of his flight, so they're both in the match. And do you know what Stephen Gauntley did? Tell me. He, uh, like, so I said to him, listen, Stephen, look, if you've not got the money, just pay me in instalments. So, like, I think one week he sent me £20. So you booked the flight. What are we talking, 700 quid each, something like that? I don't know what they like. like. Back in those days, it wasn't that much. Okay. But like, um, but like whatever it was, it, it was, you know. Um, so, um, but he owes me for half of that flight. And, um, and I said to Sabian to like uh, make sure I've got paid. And they were like, because I was on holiday at the time. And like Stephen Gauntley was like, oh yeah, I paid him last night. He hadn't paid for his half of the flight because Sabian said he wasn't going to work the show Unless, obviously, okay. my bit was paid for. Um, so he didn't pay that. And then uh, and then somebody said to him, Stephen, look, if you've not got the money, you can pay in instalments. It's like £20 here, £20 there. But he sent me like one £20 payment, right? And then everything else was excuse after excuse after excuse. And I like, you know, I like to think I wanted to be understanding. And I felt that Stephen, like, I thought he'd given me a lot of opportunities. Um, so which is why I wasn't like, Oh, f you, blah blah blah. You know, I was like, yep. listen, mate. Like, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. You know, like, perhaps you again, perhaps you can pay in instalments. Just show me you want to pay something, right? Um, and he didn't. He wasn't very forthcoming. And then basically, it got down to he loved Martin Stone. Martin Stone, I think, was probably his champion. I don't know. But basically, Martin said to Stephen, that's just why I told Martin about it. And like, Martin's obviously always been very loyal to me. Um, and. Uh, Martin said that, you know, I, w I won't work your show unless you pay Andy the money that he's owed. Okay. What do you know, within half an hour, I get a face, I get a PayPal payment from... Uh, Mr. S. Gauntley? No, not Mr. S. Gauntley. From Stephen Gauntley's daughter. Oh, really? Um, I can't remember He had name. a lot of family hanging he around, didn't he? He did have a lot of family, he? yeah. Yeah. Um, but I got a PayPal payment from them. And, uh, and I said to Martin... Don't worry, mate. The money's come through. Thank you very much for your help. Like, literally two days later, PayPal dispute <laughs> all the money. Yeah. And I email Stephen, and I'm like, hey, Stephen, I think there might be a misunderstanding here, but I got that money, but now there's a PayPal dispute for it. And he replied saying, like, again, it was something along the lines of, like, 
Oh, really sorry, Andy. There's been a problem with my PayPal. I'll make sure that that gets sorted out. Like something along those lines. Strung it on and on and on. And eventually, I like it gets escalated to a claim. So I'm in messaging PayPal with the, the screenshots of the email that Stephen sent. Yes. Saying, look, he's done this. And he said he's done it from his daughter's account, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, it wasn't his account. It was his daughter's account anyway. And PayPal ruled in their favour and they were able to claim back the money. Yeah, because it was in his daughter's yeah. name, I assume. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, I didn't. I, I remember you telling me that story now, but. So you owe me for that one, Stephen, if you're listening. You're listening, Stephen. You probably, you're probably thinking about your next uh, promotion that you're going to start up. Yeah, I'm available, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that one. Ruckus. Oh, sad. Yeah. I'd like to have had him. Um, and then uh, moving on, I guess we should probably. That's taken quite a while to tell that story, hasn't it? But it was a good so one. I think people uh, like stories about Stephen Gauntley. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I, but I'd like to think people like stories about Ruckus. That's so. true. Um, I bet that's a name that when people listen to that, they'll be like, oh, I remember Ruckus. Or the sad thing will be, well, in fact, I don't want to say that at all. Because, like, you know, like we always say in our training school, and people are like, who here knows who Bret Hart is? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> who hears what's wrestling with shadows? No. So, I asked little Curtis Chapman the other day if he knew who Hakushi was. What did he say? I know, I know, really, if you're not from that era, he's yeah, pretty you know obscure. But he was like Jinzei Shinzaki, mate. Yeah, <laughs> but I couldn't remember his Japanese wrestling. Name. Oh, wait, you get yours just as bad. No, because he mm. wasn't Jinzei Shinzaki in WWE. He wasn't was ECW, though, wasn't he? I didn't watch ECW. <laughs> of course you didn't. <laughs> no. Well, I sort of watched it on Bravo. You were just like a WWF boy through and through, weren't you? No, so I've, I've watched WCW. I used to skip oh, I bet you did. Yeah. I bet you did. Glory Hunter. We've well, like established we discussed that. Teddy Tex used to tell you what matches were on Nitro. And I was like, oh, do I need to watch that? Do I need to watch that? Whereas a little me, I just looked at Teddy Tex just to find out what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> the wrestling. What I used to hate about Teddy Tex is if you join, like, so if you turned on Teddy Tex and you joined in, like, page three or something, then you had to wait for it to get to page one. That's right. To, yeah, to yeah. So you could un- read it. I mean, like, if you missed a point, like, you had to read at the speed, didn't you? Like, yes. You had you to can, kind of oh, there was a hold there. button. Was there? Yeah. Oh, maybe, well, I did, we maybe did my TV wasn't there. On our out of this world television, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We even had a remote control. But when I, when I got Teletext, it was a big thing. But like it was like a long time after Teletext existed. Mm. But I think I was one of a few people to make money out of Teletext. Because I used to get cheats for the computer games. Oh, uh, okay. Write it down on a notepad. Sell them. And then sell them, yeah. Oh, smart. So uh, so that was good. It got me through school. Yeah. Um, but I remember that. Like, university. But I never, used to tell, I never used to tell anyone where I'd get the, the cheats from. No. Um, and like back in those days, you'd, like, if you got cheats, you'd have to get like a magazine and like that'd cost like a fiver and they'd come out real late. But Teletext was like, essentially it was like a modern day internet, wasn't it? I was about to and say that. Was like a, internet, and the yeah. Channel 4 Teletext, I don't know if that was CFAX or Teletext, I don't know, but like the Channel 4 version um, that had a specific gaming page and every day they'd put up new cheats. So I'd literally just go on didn't matter what the game was, I'd write it down, write down the cheats. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's telly nowadays has... No, because they switched off analogue. Te- yeah, and teletext has been switched off anyway. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, the teletext switched off before analogue switched off. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. But there you go. Um, anyway, next one. Hits <laughs> uh, with a good one. We, we, we you know, we, we had a list and... Uh, so... A quite a famous... Well, it's like an unfortunate, infamous one involving Spud. Rockstar Spud. Yeah. So, good friends, Rockstar Spud, avid listener, I've yeah. heard. So, hopefully, you'll tweet about this. Couldn't be more grateful for the tweets, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, genuinely. Yeah. yeah. Please keep it up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this one. So, uh, okay. So, uh, 
context is all, I always say. So Uprising, it was, 2012. We'd just become Revolution Pro Wrestling. Um, we were supposed to have... Uh, so again, I've, I've spoken in the in the Rev Pro episode, I've spoken in great detail about some of the struggles we had when we first became Revolution Pro Wrestling. Um, and um, when we did first become Revolution Pro Wrestling, I felt like the fans almost had an affinity to IPW and weren't sure who their loyalties laid, laid with. And there were some people who used to come to Rev Pro, or used to come to my IPW shows who were like, stopped coming because they were like, oh, we're supporting IPW, whatever. And like, looked at me as a bad guy because they obviously didn't know, not, I, not that anyone was a bad guy in the situation, but I don't think anyone realised the extent to what I was involved with IPW um, before the split to Rev Pro was. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, I was trying to launch it big so we had the summer sizzler show which no one knew was going to be a rev pro show until it happened um and then the next big weekend was uprising in october of that weekend um and um for that weekend obviously it was called uprising it was like almost a tip of a hat to fwa um i wanted to use that name because i wanted to make sure that we I, to me i've always been taught we respect those that came before us we make sure we give credit where credit's due and i think fwa there's a number of contributors don't get me wrong i'm not sitting here saying fwa is the only contributors to where wrestling is in this day and age but fwa was a huge contributor to where we are now and i can certainly say hand on heart if it wasn't for fwa then i wouldn't be running shows in the manner i'm doing i wouldn't be thinking about you know storylines production you know actual uk wrestlers with real characters you know and i think that same can be said for a lot of people you know um and i think even if they don't realize it it's fwa footprints on all the major groups in the uk at the moment yep. you know um so anyway, I wanted to keep the Uprising name, and we had a big, big series of matches confirmed. And I thought I was really onto one because so we had um, Doug Williams versus uh, Jerry Lynn was what I wanted to have as a key match because it was like obviously from the first Uprising show you had Doug Williams and Jerry Lynn. It was Jerry Lynn's last ever weekend wrestling in the UK, um, but unfortunately Doug Williams was unable to do it. And I want to say it's because of TNA. It was because of TNA they had bound for glory that that weekend. Um, but undeterred, um, we put together a great bill and we had Rockstar Spud versus Marty Skull um, was going to be the story for throughout the weekend. So that was going to be the main event of the second night, Rockstar, Rockstar Spud against Marty Skull. On the first night, it was a pick your poison where it was uh, going to be Spud versus Jerry Lynn and um, it was going to be Marty Skull versus Sammy Callahan. And Marty Skull versus Sammy Callahan was a big match for us um, because it was the main event of the Revolution show. So, you know... I think it was called Nearly the End of the World. We uh, did the episode on the NWE IPW Revolution. Oh, so yes, okay. You can listen back to that and you can hear the backstory on that. But it was like, certainly at that point, the biggest show I'd done. Sammy Callahan, Mighty Skull was the main event of that. And this was going to be the rematch. Yeah, it was the first time you'd done a weekend two shows. Uh, first weekender, yeah. yeah, double header, which goes back to, I want to say, we did it with IPW um, a few times. Yeah, um, we did, uh, yeah the Weekend uh, of Champions. Uh, weekend of Champions, which wasn't a... It was, I mean, again, that was... Uh, Crowd-wise, it was a success. Creatively, it was a success. Um, but then we did we did some more weekends, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like it was almost make it feel a bit more special to turn it into a weekend or really try and make something of it. Do a Q and A one night, you know, really try and uh, push it as a you know the key events. And that's why Uprising has become one of our biggest events of the year. Um, so, uh, and that was where it was kind of all started. Um, and anyway, um, everything's going fine. Um, until um, we get a uh, we get well Spud and Marty started doing TNA British Boot Camp, um, which again when that first started, absolutely fine. It was great because um, they were actually going to be doing and it hadn't aired at this point, but um, 
they were going to be doing um, a rivalry, but everyone knew that they were um, they were a part of TNA British Boot Camp. So they'd been selected for that, and obviously being good friends with Marty and Spud, um, we kind of heard how the taping was going and how it went, you know, and it was all in the UK, but then it was going to be in, they were going to film a bit in America. Should we should we say while we, while we are on this subject, that Marty told us about the winner, but he ne- yeah, he did. Yeah, he said they were kayfabing who the actual winner was until the until English the tour. Engli- yeah, and then we were watching the live finals together, and we were like, "I thought you said you didn't know," yeah. which is fine because, like, but he said, "Mate, you have no idea." We, you know, they signed non-disclosures and yeah. everything, but he kept that up for a long, yeah, long did, time. Yeah. Yeah. Until I lived with him, I was, yeah. I was amazed. Him of all people, up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially how much he used to drink. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you think he would have uh, fessed up, yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, he, he kept it actually yeah. absolutely kept kayfabe on that he one. He kayfabed us, yeah. Um, so now we know we can never trust him. That's just a good reminder, isn't <laughs> sure, it? Sure, yeah. We never know if he's telling us the truth, do we? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Mm. Um, so they were doing the British boot camp, and we thought he, they were telling us everything they knew, but obviously not. <laughs> but uh, there's a point where they were bound for glory was happening. So they wanted that the final part of British boot camp was they were all going to go to America. They're going to meet the TNA roster, meet Dixie. Um, be at a live event, Hall you know, of Fame. And, and, and well, it wasn't necessarily going to be Hall of Fame. So, like, they were going to literally see how big TNA was, right? Okay. But it opportunity fell around Bound for Glory time, which obviously their big pay-per-view, which is where the Hall of Fame is and where, you know, so they could paint it as this is TNA's biggest show of the year and really try and make something of it for a TV show. So it made perfect sense for them to be at Bound for Glory weekend. However, at that time, none of them had US visas. And this was all turned around very quickly. Um, so... I was told there's a there's a chance they could be doing Bound for Glory for TNA, which obviously we've already established we can't use Doug versus Jerry Lynn because of that. Um, but um, there's a there's a there's a chance they might not be able to do it. But there was a one thing which was in our favour, and that was what one of the Blossom twins. I can't remember if she needed to renew her passport, didn't have a passport, or the passport was in one of the. I don't know. I can't remember. Like, but she didn't have a passport for whatever reason. So they had to wait for, and they all had to go together. So they had to wait for her passport to come back before they put the passports in, um, and everyone would get their their visas back in due course, um, which is a process, right? And um, so we didn't think the, p- the visas were going to come through in time. And then what do you know? You the, process the, has been, the process has been <laughs> expedited. We get the phone call. Mighty and Spud can't do the show. Yeah, because... They're doing the weekend. Because they're doing the Bound, for Glory, Bound for Glory weekend. So obviously for the TV show, it worked out perfectly. And in the end, it worked out fine for us. But you can imagine at the time, you're like, oh, my God. That's like my headline, you know. That's like what I've been building around. And like the storyline was good as well. It was like uh, it started at – it almost started at Revolution. So, again, long story short, and sometimes these things fall into place. But like Marty and Sammy Callahan was the main event of, of Revolution. And in that match – Marty was going to become uh, the British Cruiserweight Champion. He won a tournament for the vacant championship, which was vacated because Spud was injured. Now, by this time happened, by the time the tournament had rolled out, Spud was back from injury, and he was also wrestling on the show. Now, in storyline, what happened was Spud came to the show without the Cruiserweight Championship belt. So when Marty won the Cruiserweight Championship belt and he held his hands out to be rewarded with that Cruiserweight Championship... He was rewarded with thin air. That's not much of a prize, is it? Now, the reality of the situation is... That's because of Spud. But the reality of the situation is Spud forgot to bring the belt. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> you forgot to bring the belt to the show. So, in typical, this is like when some of the best stuff comes together. It's on the fly, right? So, we made a storyline out of it. Marty, Spud did that to take away Marty's moment. Mm-hmm. That's what Spud's deal was. You know, his vicious, spiteful, took away Marty's moment. And the whole thing was, don't even remember, Spud did rock, uh, Snog, Marry and Avoid on BBC3 um, as, as Rockstar Spud. Um, and then Marty later did Take Me Out. So, like, the story was, like, Spud was jealous of Marty because S- Marty was doing basically what Spud was doing, but on a bigger scale. Yeah, on a bigger so show, wasn't on it? On a yeah. bigger show, right? So, Marty was a, the baby face on it, Spud was a heel. And Marty and Spud spent ages calling out Marty over and over again, time and time again. And, um, and Marty um, was just not listening. As one of, one of Spud's best... Uh, Best put downs on, on, on Marty was Party Marty Skull. What a bag of dicks. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah, quite yeah. amusing. Very good. Um I just, I don't know. I just thought it was amusing. Anyway, um so um so we'd turned that into storyline. It was all gonna culminate at uprising, um and again the the idea was gonna be that Spud was gonna wind up costing Marty his match against Sammy Callahan on the first night. He's gonna put extra heat on the match on the second night. You know, and Spud had already cost Marty the opportunity to become the, um, the the Triple Crown winner in Revolution Pro Wrestling, which he eventually came, but this would have been special because he would have held all three championships at the same time. But instead, he cost him the, the heavyweight championship of the world. He cost him the... Um, he cost him the... Uh, what's the one? Cruiserweight? No. Tag team. The tag team championship straight after. Because then... Uh, Project Ego cashed in their Money in the Bank briefcase or Chris Travis's Money in the Bank briefcase and they became tag team champions. So he lost two belts in one night, essentially, even though he wasn't the heavyweight champion, but he yeah. would have won it if it wasn't for Spud. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then the idea was after the match, so after the uprising match, you'd got into Marty's head so much that Marty would then lose a cruiserweight championship with uh, Prince Devitt, which he then did anyway, but like obviously that was just a continuation of the storyline and that was going to carry on, you know. Um, and anyway, um, what we did from there, oh, we didn't do anything from there because we got the phone call. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the match didn't happen. So we had to explain to everyone that, you know, Spider Mighty aren't going to be here because of British boot camp commitments. Just unfortunate timing on it everyone's part, you know. I don't think, it wasn't like TNA maliciously set out to harm us. Like there was, you know, it was... It was what it was, you know. There were guys; they were pulled from the the show because of contractual commitments, which was uh, another thing which we'll get to in a second. Um, but uh, so much to talk about and so little time. Um, but anyway, uh, the match didn't happen. But I was like, it's okay because I've still got um, Sammy Callahan, who's like one of the hottest independent guys right now. So we're going to put him in some hot matches still until Sammy Callahan, like a week before the show. Was it the week before? I don't know. But Sammy, I was, I was asking him about, what flight do you want, mate? When do you want to fly in? When do you want to fly out? Just kind of gone that awkward, silent treatment. And all of a sudden, I get an email a few days before the show saying, listen, Andy, I'm really banged up. I can't do the show. Got a bad back, beat up, can't do the show. And um, so Sammy pulled out the show as well. So I just wanted to cry. Mm. And... Um, and the show's wound up having to get reworked completely. But um, so those are three of your main attractions. Really. Yeah, the poster. The poster had um, Sammy Callahan, Rockstar Spud, Marty Skull, and El Generico on. Not Jerry Lynn. Oh, and Jerry Lynn. Sorry. Okay. Maybe not El Generico. Maybe Jerry Lynn um, was on the poster. 
or maybe Audrey Nicole was on as well. I don't know, but that was a that was a, you know the poster, and like three of the big names in the poster weren't there. So I was just like absolutely distraught, you know, that this had all happened. And then the worst kick in the teeth for me, and I, Sammy was a guy I'd put a lot of investment in, I felt anyway. And again, like you look at the levels now to where we are now to where we were then, like, eh, you know, who knows what kind of impact we had on the wrestling world in those days. But the world was a different place. So, you know, a smaller a smaller noise was a louder noise then. Um, True. You know, um, but uh, Sammy said, y you know, like, so again, I put, uh, again, I feel like, Whenever there's an independent professional wrestler who isn't like an automatic ticket seller um, and you bring over, you pay for their flight and you put weight behind them, I feel you're making an investment in them because they're not going to, realistically, they're not going to sell the tickets to cover their flight. No. You know, and wage, you know. However, you have faith in their ability to make people want to come back to see them. Um and they become a big part of the overall product. So I feel like that's why I like to turn imports into regulars. So rather than being like a, you know, Sammy Callahan one-off showcase, it was Sammy Callahan, a regular part of Revolution Pro Wrestling storylines. Um, and that's why I wanted it to be moving forward, you know. But then um, I found out, I saw on the internet, he was doing a, uh, a uh, it was like an instruction, he was at the CZW training school. Kevin Nash was doing like a, I guess a shoot interview slash training video. Yeah. And Sammy Callahan was a bump dummy with his bad back. Was he? Okay. So he was a demonstrator he at got, the school. He that got uh, exposed. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and then after that, he went off to WWE. And I always say, and again, I'm not knocking Sammy at all. I always say, I think Sammy went to WWE. If Sammy went to WWE 18 months later, I think Sammy would have been a huge star. Um, I think he was one of those guys who was riding that wave of, you know, he's really on the cusp of becoming, you know, that. I look at it like the guys like now, like Matt Riddle, you know, he's a guy who has that buzz, you know, Keith Lee had that buzz and they're guys that go to WWE and uh, go in at, with, with a, a lot of steam behind them, Ricochet as an example. Yes. Whereas Sammy, I think he, he, if he was around 18 months longer, that independent wrestling buzz would have been, you know, that little bit heightened and he would have benefited massively from it, you know, rather than going in at the time he went in um but that's by the by isn't it um but uh but yes sammy didn't do a show either so <laughs> disaster oh, no. um we wound up with uh noam dar versus jerry lynn on one of the nights and noam at the time he was like young maybe 17 18 but like he's uh everyone knew how good he was going to be at the time and to be fair to him he took the match in his stride um and it was great. And I remember one funny story about the end of that match. Jerry Lynn didn't realise the two shows were in the same location. Okay. So he did uh, like his retirement speech. And then he didn't realise we were going back to the same place the next day. So <laughs> he was like, I didn't realise. Otherwise, I would have saved it till uh, tomorrow. You know? okay. So like, he essentially did like a retirement speech twice. Okay. Um, so we did that. And uh, I can't remember who he wrestled on the second night. Probably whoever he was planned to originally wrestle on the second night. Can you hear a funny story about a mildly amusing story? So Jerry Lynn did his big retirement speech on the second night. I was the yeah. heel commentator. Everyone came out on the stage and clapping their hands. Yeah. One wrestler, I won't name him, came up to me and said, why didn't you stand up and clap? Because I'm the heel commentator. Who's who was it? No, I'll tell you later. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested. I'll tell you later. It's funny how some people don't get that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. That's another story. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that was that was those guys. And, and just while I was thinking about it, like, just in terms of no-shows, it's not necessarily no-shows, but I know, like, a... You know, like with uh, this Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre have uh, had that high-profile, um, you know, they can't be on Progress's Wembley show. 
Um, I just wanted to let people know that I'm not immune to that stuff as well. So everyone who's like going like, oh, well, that serves them right because not that serves them right. Like, um, that's wrong. Um, sorry. Uh, you know, well, it's they've been pulled from a show because WWE UK guys have been pulled from Rev Pro shows. Right. Not true at all. Like New Japan have no, uh, there's no uh, hidden motive agenda. Like New Japan are happy for them to work whatever shows they want. Um, as long as it doesn't clash with their shows. Um, and just to, to illustrate, like I've had stuff like, so for example, High Stakes two years ago, um, Will Ospreay was down to wrestle Shibata, um, and we thought he was going to be all good for it, everything good, and uh, I wanted that match so badly on a Rev Pro show. Um, but then unfortunately he had to do Fantastica Mania, um, which originally he wasn't going to be doing, but the CMLL had requested that you know he worked those fantastic mania shows his joint shows with cmol and new japan pro wrestling um so will was unable to work that show and unable to work shibata um so i think that was a show where we wound up doing shibata and matt riddle i'm gonna say okay um so obviously again it all works out in the end and shibata and will osprey wound up having their match in japan Yes. Um, which is on, it's available to watch on rpwondemand.com right now, if you want to see it. And that was also a hell of a match. So everything really, by the by, all kind of worked out in the end. And with the Rockstar Spud and Marty Skull story, it all worked out in the end or so we thought. Well, that, that um, chapter of it. That chapter, because yeah. we had Marty Skull and Spud wound up happening in January or February of that year. So we're talking, when we're talking the original story is October. This is January, February. This is January, February, two thousand thirteen, um, and we had Spud versus Marty Skull in a no holds barred match, which we were able to do further angles for, um, and the whole of British boot camp had aired, and they'd had a. It was a reality show, um, and Spud and and Marty were were rivals in that reality show, so it built up more and more steam for this final no holds barred match. Um, so. We got a good house out of it in the end. We just had to wait a little longer than um, yeah. Than sometimes timing works. Timing works um, out. But it worked out in the end. Yeah, the same as that. You know, like getting Matt Riddle into face Shabata definitely worked out for me. You know, like the whole wrestling world wanted to see that match. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Um. So yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes things don't work out, but sometimes they wind up. And even though you don't know it at the time, they wind up working out for the best. So. Um. There's that example there. But as you say, Andy. I feel like I'm uh, running running out of fumes here, but like, um, and, and we may be in need for a part three for <laughs> for some more. But like, as you say, um, it didn't, uh, you know, it didn't end there with Spud and Marty, did it? So uh, you didn't learn your lesson. <laughs> I, did, I didn't, didn't learn. learn I didn't learn my lesson. So um, to me, uh, Rockstar Spud was a big part of Marty Skull's uh, uh, in Revolution Pro Wrestling, certainly. So. Um, you know, I always remember saying to you, Andy, which you always say to Marty, I'm like, because Marty had started to become the villain. And I was like, he has to have a, st like a story, a reason to become the villain. The villain on my will shows. never be on any of no, my shows. So that's what you like to quote to Marty, <laughs> right? However, no. um, however, again, like I say, you're just an example of one of those people who take what I say out of context. I said, like, he's not just going to turn up and be the villain overnight. There has to be a reason for Marty to transform into a villain. So if you watch the Red Pro shows, he slowly transformed into a villain. But I wanted one of the main catalysts behind it to then come back to be that old nemesis, Rockstar Spud. Because for me, like, at the end of it, so Spud wound up winning British Boot Camp, even though Marty was a babyface and Spud was a heel. Spud almost became the well. Spud did become the babyface at the end of that British boot camp piece. Then when they had their match against each other, where Mike was a babyface, Spud was a heel. The fans were cheering Spud, just not uh, maybe 
as much, if not more, than Marty, right? And I wanted it to be like, that's getting in Marty's head. So Marty's angry with the fans, like he's given the fans everything, but they've turned on him. So I feel like every villain, pardon the pun, needs um, justification as to the way they've wound up. They don't think they're a bad guy, you know? And like, in Marty's mind, it wasn't him that was a villain, it was all the fans that were the villains. But like, he had Spud in his mind. That was a, you know, that was a the story, really. Yeah. And to make the whole thing complete, we were going to do one final Spud and Marty match. Um, so I came up with the idea of contacting Spud, who lived in America at the time, and seeing if he'd be available for my Uprising show again. Uprising, the key events, whether I want the moments to happen, you know, that we remember. Um, and you look at the Uprising, so that was Uprising one year, then the following year's Uprising had Bret Hart and Tanahashi side by side, and this year's Uprising moment was going to be the return of Rockstar Spud. You know, now a big star in TNA, living in America, the last person that my well girl expected to see. So, again, let's put this into context a little bit. So, um, and there is, there is a little story here, which I think is probably worth telling. Um, so, I contacted Spud, he said it would be okay. He had to clear it with TNA, he cleared it with TNA, TNA said it'd be okay. But they asked that, could Spud stay an extra couple of days um, and do some media? So I'd still pay for the flight, but any extra days hotel they'd cover. Um, so if he could do some TNA media, so he's, you know, he's running off with the Lewis boys mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Patrick Lennon, Patrick Lennon and, uh, whoever else he was doing all of it, yeah. you know, he was doing, uh, you know, wrestle talk on talk sport every Saturday night and, uh, with Alex, you know, Shane. With Alex Shane. Um, so he was doing all the, uh, he was doing, and Tommy Boyd and <laughs> <laughs> he was doing all the, you know, all the wrestling media, uh, while he was over here. Um, so which kind of, I guess, plays into the part of the story a little bit. Um, so, and like the, the thing was, we we're going to do Spud versus Marty, and that match was going to take place at High Stakes, our first big show of 2018. Um, now, 2015. <laughs> whatever, 2015. <laughs> 2015. Wow, I'm like, I'm crazy, aren't I? Um, so, Uprising. Unfortunately, so it's, it's a big surprise at the end of a show. So, I have to say, first of all, that the show ran long. I'm going to reveal for the first time ever. First time I've told this story, I think, publicly. Okay. Maybe first time I've ever told this story. The reason why Uprising overran and Spud's angle was almost horseshoed in very quickly at the end. He didn't get, he got the reaction we wanted, but it would have been a far bigger reaction. If everyone was still if there. Everyone, yeah. But not worrying about catching their last train. Yeah, l yeah. There were some so people had to get their trains and... So, yeah. So, oh, there was one put, there was a... There was a long promo, an overly long promo with the Knights and Martin Stone and, and Joel Redman, which went way too long. Um, but um, but that wasn't, you know, even if that had happened, wouldn't have been too much of an issue. Um, the main issue was uh, we came back, the interval lasted forever. And uh, do you know why? I want you to tell everyone. Someone had a problem. It wasn't me, by the way. Um, so the match after the intermission was the Revolutionists versus Rikishi and too cool. So it was a big nostalgia trip, a big reunion, and uh, it was a five minute call. Ladies and gentlemen, five minutes until the show starts, take your seat. Two minutes later, go downstairs. Quiche, you good to go? Quiche. Who's that? It's what my nan has for lunch normally. Way! Rikishi. Yeah, that's what his mate's called. I was a joke, my nan's dead, so. Yeah. Um, we've been through that, you old bee. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was the same, wasn't it? We have recorded this yeah. in two parts, so yeah. Yeah. Um 
So, uh, you have your nan on the mind a lot today, though. Have you yeah, I guess so. I always think about my, my nan and my grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> That's what That's this what podcast is. Yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you okay, Keish? Nah, man. Like, literally, just done the five minute call. You okay? Nah, man. What's up? I just lost my iPhone 5. Now, I'm not, I'm saying iPhone 5. Whatever the latest model of iPhone that came out. Around October 2015, that's 14. the iPhone. Two, what? <laughs> I can't get my years right. Whatever came out October 2014, that's the iPhone he'd just purchased and he'd lost. Yep. He did a Comic Con during the day, and somewhere between the Comic Con and uh, and the show, he'd lost his iPhone 5 or whatever the number was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, ah, oh, are you good to go? And he he's like, I just bought it the other day. (laughs) (laughs) He was really sad. Really sad. Well, it's frustrating, uh, isn't it? And it must have been frustrating, but we had to start the show. I mean, he's like, hey, Iron Man, Silvano. Shout out to Silvano, Iron Man. Um, Mr. Lover Lover. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, He's like, hey, Iron Man, can you go check the car again? They check the car, can't find it. Can't find the phone. He's devastated. Sat on the chair. And in the, anyone knows you call locker rooms. He's in downstairs locker rooms. So to get back to the stage, he has to come up some stairs anyway. And like, it's going to take, you know, I'm just like, right, we've got to start the show. Maybe 15, 20 minutes after that five minute call. Right? Yeah. So we start the second half late. And when I go up to the stage, I've got no clue whatsoever if Rikishi's going to be there. I've got no clue whatsoever if Two Cool are going to be there. The only one I knew would be there was Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> yeah, right? he was on the ball all and, day, uh, wasn't he? And uh, the revolutionists come out first. Josh Bodum, Shah Samuels, Terry Frazier, the mean machine. They all come to the ring. Terry Frazier's got a particular spring in his uh, step because Mare's there in the crowd. Was she? Yeah, she oh, was there in the crowd. She was in the crowd. So uh, big shout out to Mare. And uh, he... He tried to call me today, funnily enough, Terry. Um, to say goodbye. Well, I don't know if I was just giving him some grief on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's desperate for the followers. Look him up, Terry Frazier. Um, Terence Stormer, I think is his. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's grown out of wrestling. Mm. Um, and uh, they come to the ring, and I announce two call, and out come two call, and Rikishi, out come two call. Banging it, banging it. I can't remember what music it was. If it was that, or if it was, you know, yeah, that was terrible. But I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Whatever. Next Luger. Oh, shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, so yeah, outcome them, and then like, I'm like, three, two, one, <gasps> nothing, three, two, one, nothing, three, two, one. A champ always keeps their people waiting. Outcome Rikishi, smiling, waving, clapping, doing his hands, and they had a great nostal- trip down memory lane. One minor thing. What? This is very minor. Go on. The match nearly never happened. Did it? He walked down to the ring. <laughs> Do you remember? I do, yeah. And I literally, I was sat next to Oliver Bennett, to Oliver's right, and I grabbed his arm. <laughs> like I do too sometimes with that gasp. Yeah. But this was because I thought Rikishi wasn't going to be able to get in the ring. Yeah. We didn't have any steps, any chairs. We had steps. We didn't have them with us, did we? No, we hadn't got them steps yet. Oh, we hadn't got them yet. No. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, really, that, I, I don't want to say they were there pushing his ass or anything to get him <laughs> they up. They kind of were. But they were, but I can't really on the, He was going to pull in on the ring, and I thought the whole ring was going to collapse. Well, he, was pull, he was pulling on the turnbuckle. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. The way I remember yeah, it. Yeah. The way I remember it. Yeah. Um, and they can be, sometimes, they can just go ping yeah. with no And, he, no would, and he, would have gone, yeah. he would have gone ping and yeah. splat. Ruined the show. But yeah, obviously, it, it felt like five minutes. It was probably yeah. just two it seconds. It was two it. seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So yeah, so that happened. Um, they had the match, fun trip down memory lane. Um, and then the, uh, the, the, the end of the match, they decided it was like they were the WWE house show main events and then went into a, <laughs> a big promo and dance off and Scotty Dewey, his son came in. It was a lovely moment. I'll forgive that one. Yeah. Um, you know, Calvin's going to be doing the worm in a Revolution Pro Wrestling ring soon. So yeah. Um, everyone, stop the show, Calvin. I've got his bit. Um, so uh, he's going to be the new mascot of Rev Pro. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, uh, we're actually telling a story about no shows. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not oh just yeah. talking about too cool. But this so, is, yeah. so this, is, so this, this is goes relevant. long. Yeah. This is relevant. And this is this goes massively long, long like this podcast. <coughs> so this is why the show's gone really long. So everyone's going home. So the idea was going to be, so Spud comes out. Um, so like, so this is the angle. So um, so Marty Skull is, is, again, transforming to a villain. He was the villain by name at this point, right? Um and um, but he's becoming more and more villainous every time. So I think this is the time when he had that half and half haircut, you know, blonde and brown. Okay. You know, and uh, anyway, like uh, he uh, um, he was upset and straight off pissed, straight up pissed off that he wasn't the main event. Will Ospreay and uh, that's Will Ospreay, which is going to play into Will Ospreay and Mighty Skull, which obviously moved forward from there at a great rate, right? Um, so that was going to play into that as well. Um, so. Um, Marty attacks Will Ospreay and Matt Seidel at the end of the match with, with the, other the other revolutionists. The other revolutionists do a dive to the outside, sorry, get thrown to the outside by Osprey and Seidel who make their own comeback and do a dive on the guys. Now, I was hoping they were going to do like Double you know, shooting stereo stars. shooting stars or something. They did axe handle smashes. But I can understand why they did it because... I think they were probably like, oh, our moment's been cut short. But unfortunately, we, like the uh, the way it was scripted, the way it was meant to go was like they'd have the time to shake hands. You know, this was or that was awesome. Please come back, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, Thank you, Andy. Yeah, yeah. That was the one I was hoping for. <laughs> would never get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, um, we we that was that was going to happen. It was going to die down, and that's when the revolution is going to attack when people li least expected it. But unfortunately, because we we're running so long. They had to attack very soon after the match, um, so they got a pair of axe handles for their troubles. They were gonna, it was gonna, what was gonna happen was um, Will Ospreay and Matt Seidel were then gonna go off with the revolutionists in a pro, like, let's say a program, but it was just gonna be a match, which then led to, um, uh, which would then carry on the Will and Matt Seidel storyline, which would have progressed the exact way it did with Will and Matt in a singles match, which Will won this time, and then we go to a two out of three falls for the British Cruiserweight Championship, essentially. Yes. Um, um, but Terry Frazier retired from professional wrestling. He had his moment with Rikishi and was like, That's "I'm done." Enough. Yeah. Um, I think he might have gone a little bit longer than that. I don't know. But um, but for whatever reason, that that kind of phased off, and we so we just went straight to Seidel and Osprey in singles, and then um, we w and then Marty was going to be left in the ring. So Marty was left in the ring on his own, and Marty's kind of promo. I should be the main event. You people have shown me no like nothing champion. but disrespect. I'm the champion. This belt proves it. You know, like. Blah, 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 blah. Marty. Hey, Marty. Up on the big screen comes Rockstar Spud. So everyone pops to seeing Spud, thinking we're setting up a match for Spud and Marty for next time, which we were, because we used to do video screen reveals during the, in those days. Like, yes. Where we'd set it up. So, like, it might be a Tanahashi's come in, or Liger's come in, or Okada. Okada's got the biggest in. reaction. Yeah. Um, as Boom said, there's some people walking around just smashing their hands against their heads. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Disbelief. Yeah. Um, but, uh, now people just take it for granted. Yep. Now they just so expect. Now they demand it. Yeah. Now they yeah, demand it. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um. So, um. 
so yeah, so, so you Spud's know, promo Spud's comes up. Spud's promo comes up, and you, we think we're getting the big video match. This is going to be the big match the next time out at York Hall. But while he's saying all this stuff, Marty's like swearing at the screen, getting all angry. He's then promos like, Marty, look behind you. And waiting in the ring is Rockstar Spuds, double leg, bish bash bosh, left and right, good night. Spud celebrates in the ring, and uh, and there we go. Yes. Right. The following day, we set up an angle for um, we did we did they did another angle with each other where Marty wrestled Shot and Benjamin in a match, which is another at the Clapham Grand. At the Clapham Grand, and that's a story that we can't uh, we need to go over at some point in the future. Shot and Benjamin. Yeah, maybe. Well, he's a WWE superstar, so yeah. relevant. Um, well, it's a funny one, isn't no, it? No, it is good, yeah. Um, and uh, um, so they, they, you know, we we set the angle up, and it's like high stakes. It's going to be me versus you one more time. Mighty Skull versus Spud. Main event of high stakes. The next show we run. Okay, that's going to be it. Simple, right? Definitely going to happen, right? Right. No. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. Because even though we, uh, even though TNA did that, you know, had Spud do all that media for him on my dime, flying him over, mm. um, they then had a show, uh, they did whatever on that day and needed him, so pulled him from the show. Um, so that how, long ago, how long ago? How long before? How long before the show? Uh, it was long enough that I got a replacement. Like the, it was. It wasn't. It was maybe a month out. It wasn't like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't last like minute enough to no, cause absolute panic. It wasn't, yeah. No, and I think we wound up doing, that was a show we wound up doing Marty Skull versus Ricochet. Um, and what else would have been on that show? Marty Skull versus Ricochet was a match we did. Okay. In its place. Because Ricochet was uh, doing a make good, which we'll get to. Mm. <laughs> um, on part three, probably. Part three, I think yeah. we see that on part three. Yeah. To, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so um, so that match never happened, um, and like I wish it had the opportunity to happen. And then like even like a few months later, Spud was back in the UK, but he didn't tell me. And then like he was he did a show for like he was actually in the UK, not not like had to be flown over. He's in the UK. Yeah, because I bumped into him in the gym. Is it yeah, right around right. that? Yeah, I think it was around that time. Yeah, and he two minutes like, like he's from Birmingham. He did, yeah, and, and he's two minutes from my house yeah. in the gym, and I literally saw this lad walk in. And I was like, I think that's Spud. Yeah, I think that was a time where it might yeah. have been around. You know, but anyway, like FPW, he did a show on the same day I had a show where... Whatever you're fidgeting with, I can hear it clear as day. Okay, what I'm, I'm fidgeting with is very silent. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. Please don't knock off a star <laughs> for that. <laughs> Please. Um, so, uh, yeah, he w- did an FPW show um, when he could have done, like, when we could have done Spud versus Marty on that day. Yeah. And that was just really, that was one of my regrets, really, that we never got to do that Spud and Marty mm-hmm. final encounter. Um because I just think I like it, well, I like it when things go full circle, yeah. and I like being able to, like I said to you, I like being able to tell stories with my imports rather than have it like, you know, come in one and done, you know. Um, and again, just in line with, so that was like Martin Spud, um, and again, you know, one of the original components of that was Sammy Callahan, and uh, he was supposed to be doing Summer Sizzler. We built up last year; he was supposed to be doing Summer Sizzler, and we built up Sammy versus Martin Stone as like one of our feature matches. And I felt at the time. I felt both guys just needed that, you know, just a match to push them over the top. And I thought wrestling against each other was going to be yeah. the, the, the thing to do it. So they teamed with each other. Then Sammy turned on Martin. They did a couple of cockpits. And Sammy was cutting promos on Martin. Martin was cutting promos on Sammy. Martin's promo, never the main one promo that Martin did, never actually aired. 
And the reason that never actually aired was because, despite the fact that Sammy had done promos advertising the match, had agreed to the date, everything like that, I was messaging Sammy, and I was, I was saying to him, uh, when do you want to fly? When do you want to fly home? And I wasn't getting any responses. And it was very eerily similar to the first, the, time, the first round. time round, right? And then, um, you know, I, said, I even said to Martin, can you speak to Sammy and make sure he's still doing the match? And Martin spoke to him, said, yeah, it's still happening, whatever. And then, like, um, on the, uh, the Thursday before the show, so I think one week before the show, Sammy got back to me and was like, oh, I fly on this date, fly home this date, right? Booked his flight there and then, sent it across to him. Um, sorted out his visa, sent that across. Then on the, uh, we were at Edinburgh, so we did Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the wrestling um, with Max Voltage. And um, I was, it was on the morning of the show, so it was a Tuesday morning. The show was on the Thursday, did Selsey on the Wednesday, Rey Mysterio versus Marty Skull on the Thursday. So on the, on the Tuesday, I got a message from Sammy being like, hey man, I'm really sorry, I don't think I can come. I'm beaten up, can't come. So uh, bearing in mind, I booked his flight that Thursday before. Then four I mean? days, days later, four or five days later. Yeah. yeah, days. So if he'd just literally said to me, like, listen, Andy, I can't come, I'm beaten up. I would have been upset, but I wouldn't have just spent, like, however many hundreds of pounds I spent on the flight. And obviously being in August, it wasn't cheap. And also having it strung along for so long, the price went up. And it doesn't always, you know, a, a misconception is sometimes the price goes up a lot, but it doesn't always go up a lot, right? But in peak months, like August, it does go up a lot. Yeah. And um, we wound up having to... Uh, yeah, just eat that essentially. And Sammy said, like, oh, listen, I'll come back. I'll work for, I'll work for, you know, I'll work off the flight, you know, for free if you, you know, bring me back, whatever. But it's like, you know, if I buy him a flight again, who's to say if he's going to turn up or not? Yeah, you sure. know, so it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate, you know, because like I, like I think he's, I still think he's one of the most talented guys. And like we've spoken about it since. And I've said to him, there's no, there's no ill feelings on my part. Like, I'm not here cursing him. I still think he's a supremely talented wrestler, and I'd love to have him as part of my roster. But unfortunately, I just can't fly him in because I can't, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I think we said when we were discussing earlier, you said once bitten, twice he's shy. And that's kind of twice bitten now. You yeah. Know? Um, so. But before we go, I just want you to quick, because you told me a story earlier, which I'd never heard before. Within the couple of minutes, let's do one more. The, the story you told me about Carl Anderson. Okay, Which yeah, was the so most decent thing I think I've ever heard any wrestler so ever do. So, Carl Anderson, uh, so you may know him from WWE fame. Yep. Also known as Carl Anderson. Part <laughs> of a Gallows and Anderson tag team. Part of the Balor Club, former WWE tag team champion. Bullet Club OG. Um, he was booked for a show against Dave Mastiff. Um, and Carl uh, Anderson, uh, so his flight's booked. And like the reason why this was a special show as well, I should add, is because it was the last show that Finn Balor, Prince Devitt, was going to be doing for me. And of course, he'd worked for me semi-regularly, really, for like a year and a half, two years, um, where he was, uh, he'd been the, the British Cruiserweight Champion. Um, he'd had a real good run. Always had great matches. He obviously brokered the, um, the deal for New Japan and Jushin Liger to come in, uh, which opened the doors for Tanahashi, Okada, etc. His um, merchandising empire. This, this whole merchandising empire you see uh, around us in this office, like everything was thanks to him, really. Yeah. Um, so I'll never forget that. And um, and I wanted to make sure he he kind of went went out on a high. So we had we had the big Bane entrance. Um, oh yes. You know yeah. where he came out dressed as Bane. And Do you want to like ask your jacket back now? Yeah. So uh, there's Ian Logan has the 
current asked to borrow the Bane jacket and that Finn Balor wore Finn in the Balor wore it and wore. the uh, and the uh, the bulletproof vest that he wore and uh, I've not received it back. However, I have seen pictures of Ian Logan wearing it on wrestling shows as recently <laughs> as last month. <laughs> so. Uh, Ian, if you're listening, or someone who's listening knows him, tell him to bring it back in. <laughs> um, so I can't even auction it now because I now I've just smartened people up. That's it. As worn by Finn Balor and Ian Logan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, told you, I think you're fidgeting with. You now have dropped it, making even more. Okay, noise. I'm sorry. Just I'm leave sorry. it. I'm sorry. So tell the story about Carl Anderson. <laughs> you're such an angry man. Um, so Carl Anderson, like. He messages me, and again, this is a couple of weeks before the show, um, and he messages me, or maybe it's a week before, I don't know. He messages me and says, like, um, listen, I'm really sorry, Andy. He said, I've never done this before in my life. And he said, I swear I'm never going to do this again. But if I go to this show, like, it's going to seriously affect my marriage. And we know he's got a hot Asian wife. He tweets about her all the time, right? Mm. And he's like, it's going to seriously affect my marriage. And, like, we've all been there, right? Yeah, you all the time. You more than most. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I seriously risk my marriage every day on yeah. a daily basis. Just leaving the house, to go right? to the gym, yeah, yeah, to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we can all relate. But like, uh, he's like, I feel so bad about. it. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, listen. Um, he's like, he saw how much the flight was. He asked me my PayPal details. He sent me across the money for the flight, which is like, unheard of. Absolutely, it's never happened before. Never happened since. Um, I'm willing to bet it will never happen again either. Probably never happen again, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, what a decent man. So he sent me the money for that flight. Um, and uh, and basically what I was able to do was um, with his flights, not all flights you can, but this was through United, he had status with them. So I was able to cancel his flight for like a $200 fee. Um, and what they were able to do was they were able to um, uh, essentially free... Uh, freeze a flight for one year so like as long as this person as long as it was him himself it couldn't have been i couldn't be like oh like let's fly over someone else on this flight it had to be him himself who would fly over yes um as long as he came within the calendar year we could essentially it only cost us 200 dollars. um so or whatever the you know it was whatever the if there was a difference in the flight you might have to pay the extra but like as far as i was concerned you know extra 200 dollars. um so i was able to do that um, and then when I booked the flight, and then he came over again, um, he obviously got paid his wage. Like I'd, I'd paid two hundred dollars for his flight, and then I was able to reimburse him all the money he had sent across to me, minus that two hundred dollars for the flight. So he wound up obviously getting some money up anyway. But he had no idea I'd bring him back. No, you know, especially after let um, let, let, you know, you know yeah. being let down by him, um, and uh, yeah. But he still sent that money across. He had like. If I'd if I hadn't said to him about you know well maybe I can do this and you know try and get you some money back if I hadn't said about that he would have just sent me you know the money would have still been with me I'm saying there was no ulterior motive on his part whatsoever he was just a good guy you yeah know? yeah he literally sent that money across with no no ulterior motive um, and that meant a lot to me and it meant that obviously especially in those days like with cash flow being what it was like where I run more shows now there's more cash flow but like. You know, those big shows are so few were, uh, in those days were like, you know, three, three four three a year. year you know? yeah, so yeah. like, um, you know, the cash flow was a lot harder. Um, and uh, and I think that was the time when PayPal was with, withholding 30 percent of all my income for 90 days. So like if someone bought a ticket like on the day of a show, three months later, I'd get 30 that, you know, 
I'd get 70% on that day, and three months later, I'd get 30% back. You know, they were, they were holding thousands, um, which is why we moved to Gigantic, and been happy ever since. We're in negotiations at the moment. Okay. A bit like Bret Hart in WCW, mm. negotiation phase. Um, so, um, just in case you're listening, Gigantic. Um, so He did a little eyebrow raise then. <laughs> he wasn't being completely arrogant, he was joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, can't, you can't see, obviously. Um, so, anyway, uh, I wanted to get a replacement for him, um, for Fergal. And uh, to wrestle Dave Mastiff, and we wound up getting bad luck Farley, right? And believe it or not, and it's uh, like it's almost like I don't know. I've always felt an Im- immense pressure on myself. If someone does pull out of a show, to find a replacement who uh, people see as a suitable replacement. So even though, like you know, you might get a replacement who works, um, you know, so like when Sammy Callahan no showed the, m- the show against Martin Stone, it was such late notice, given two days, that we couldn't find someone from overseas to come in, and Eddie Dennis wound up replacing him. By no means was it a step down in match quality, but I always feel there's that, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel there's like a perception of if you lose someone from overseas, you should replace them with someone from overseas because people feel like, well, they want to see where the ticket money's going. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So um, so that's what I kind of wanted to do. Um, and I also wanted someone for Fergal. So we wound up bringing in Farley. But then people were like... Because they were the, they, they they were were the, the two the, originals. So Farley, yeah, so Farley and, um, so Farley and, uh, and Fergal... And Tamatonga and Carl Anderson were the four original Bullet Club members. Um, and um, so for me, it had to be Tamatonga or Farley. Um, and I liked the idea of Farley versus Dave Mastiff because they're just two big dudes, you know? Yeah. Um, so Farley wound up coming over. But like some people were like, oh, you've replaced Carl Anderson from Farley. I feel like I'm shortchanged. That was the start of it. That, that was, was just their opinion. Sure. That was their opinion. Yeah, yeah, some people were going, wow, I'm getting to see Farley. Yeah, I don't think people were. I was. Like, well, good. Yonder Bruce. Under Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Under Bruce. Yeah. It's not cool when you say it. Um, Whatever. So, um, but they had a good match, didn't they? They, so. had, yeah, they had a great match, Dave Mastiff and Farley. And if you want to see it, you can see it on rpwondemand.com. And most importantly... Um, I think there was that moment at the end of a show, wasn't there? Which I think, you know, we always talk about creating those moments that you'll remember forever. And I look at pictures of um, Rollerball Rocco, Prince Devitt and Jushin Liger standing side by side with the British Cruiserweight Championship belt in the middle. I look at that as one of those iconic... For me, it's an iconic moment. For other people, it might not be. But for me, it means a lot because it's like... It was the start of a New Japan relationship. It was... um, it was Fergal who was like almost um, Liger's protege, you could say, um, and Liger who was Rollable Rocco's protege. So it was like three generations of, yeah, I get that, you yeah. know, um, standing with the British Cruiserweight Championship, which to me just added so much weight behind that championship belt. Um, and uh, and this is one of those history-making moments. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Bret Hart stood side by side. You know, one generation's, um, you know, the, the, the previous generation's best wrestler ever versus with it stood side by side with the current generation's best wrestler ever at the time you know you can argue you can bring Okada bring Omega into the argument now but that was you know at the time that was that visionary uh, moment still the man. Um, and um, and then you had Fergal and Farley and Kevin Owens doing the old uh, too sweet mm. in the middle of the ring you know it was just a nice moment and Farley obviously used to carry Fergal around on his shoulders and they did that you know, walked around with Fergal on his shoulders while Fergal was doing the old bullet, you know, because he's a shooter. Yes. Um, so it was just it was just a great moment and a great picture. And um, and 
and, and really it it was just uh I'm I'm glad we did it, you know, and it was almost like it had to if it wasn't gonna be Carl Anson it had to be Farley, you know. Um and uh it was just a it was a real nice moment. Good choice. Um so Carl Anson came back another couple of times before he went off to the, the Fed. Mm. Um so uh, he had some great matches. I think he's had another three. So he wrestled Martin Stone, he's wrestled, wrestled Dave Mastiff, and he had the tag match against the Revolutionists alongside Gallows. So former WWE tag team champions going up against, uh, you know, at the time, the Red Pro tag team champions, I guess. Dream so match. Dream another match. One. So, uh, so yeah. All right. That, that'll do it for today. I think there's, there's like so many names that we've uh, I've got on this list that we haven't even got to. So there will be a part three, I guess. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, it won't be next week, in case you didn't enjoy this one. No, we spaced them out. Like the last one was like weeks and weeks, months ago, wasn't yeah. it? So, um, but hopefully you did enjoy it. Like, I don't know, let us know. Did yeah. you enjoy it? Did you not? No, I enjoyed what, this episode? You know, I was saying to the public. Oh, right. <laughs> I can tell you didn't enjoy it, because we weren't talking about yourself. No, because I've never no-showed, or one time, actually, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Do you want to tell that story quickly? Uh, have I not already told, you it? told it? I think he's told it. Yeah. Listen to the previous no-show episode. Yeah, maybe I'll we'll talk about it there. We're here. It's either there or the Greg Lambert episode. I was too busy being a bit of a Lothario. Being a lad. Jose Lothario. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. But you can't say stuff like that in 2018, Andy. No, even though it happened in 2007. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right. There cool. we go. Over um, and out. No, wait. I'm going to plug some things. We have a wrestling show. Well, you have a wrestling show. And you have a wrestling show. And we have a wrestling show. Correct. So. Double header. If you could be two places in once. Yeah. That's where you need to be. Yeah. So. Uh, so well, you do yours and I'll do ours. Well, I'll do both, shall I? No, because I'll be better at it than you. Because no, you'll be no. like, uh, uh. do you want to try me? Try me. Go on then. So Saturday, July twenty eighth. Um, first of all, we're in Chelmsford at the <laughs> Hampton Sport and Leisure in Chelmsford. Um, it's going to be a, a, a good show. Uh, it's got uh, Jeff Cobb versus El Fantasmo, Jonah Rock versus um, Josh Bodum. Oh. Hell of a card. Hell of a card. Top to bottom. Great card. Um, and then also on July 28th, for fans on the South Coast, so there's a distance between them. So if you're, if you're, unless you're stuck in the middle, then you have a decision to make. But if not, there's a pretty one way or the other decision, you know. Um, we are at the Mount Batten Centre, fantastic venue for professional wrestling, um, where we've got our Ultimate Survivor 2, where teams of four go to war. Um, Prepare for war. Oh, God damn. Come on. But there's a there's a hell of a main event. You're going to see Danny Duggan go one-on-one with uh, Rob Elias, Rob the Gob, um, and that's a TLC match. Um, so if you like your tables, you like your ladders, you like your chairs, and you like your um, you like your Survivor Series matches, which really are a lost art, um, I think there should be more of them yep. in the world. Um, then you, you get to see three of them Saturday. You get to see three of them on Saturday. Um, and you get to see the stars of tomorrow today. Um, and some of them I'd say some of them are stars of tomorrow today. Some of them, yeah. yeah. Others just train really hard. And some of them are actually stars of today. Today, like me. So I'll be there. The Iron Lions will be there. Fresh there off go. their Big IPW. victory at IPW UK. We are taking on um, the Estonian animal and the partner to be determined. Um, you're going to lose. Timo's an animal. Who else is like Lord Gideon Gray's on it? Oh, your favourite. Los, Los Federales, Santos Jr. Yep. And Rishi Ghosh. And Lord That's Gideon it. Gray. Yeah, you said Lord Gideon Grey like three times. Oh, did I? And Lord Gideon Grey. And he's <laughs> Lord Gideon Grey's on it, in case you... In case <laughs> he's you my favourite. So, uh, you know he's my favourite. Yeah, we've got Big Grizz. He's having a bit of a Red Pro tryout, isn't he? Big Grizzly. That's it, yeah. And Crusher yeah. Curtis is making a comeback. A re- big return for Crusher Curtis. Did you like to hear a funny story about that? Yeah, go on. I just needed some real big guys for a poster because the posters kept being me, Rishi, 
Zan Phoenix. Well, we know you keep putting yourself on the poster. That's like a common. Uh, yes, because you know, it's I often talked about. Isn't I it? can't put, you know, uh, and we didn't have Timo. Timo was not available. Oh yeah, Timo was out doing an outlaw show. Wasn't he was, he? yeah. But he's since discovered that outlaw shows are very reliable. <laughs> yeah, and you don't waste your time agreeing to them. So Timo's back where he belongs. Um, back home. Yeah. So if you want to come Saturday, doors are at half six, shows at seven. Lots of family fun. And probably, you could probably just about, no, I was going to say, you could probably just about watch the Chelmsford show and get back in time for the main event of Portsmouth, but I don't think you can. Don't try it, okay? Don't try it. Yeah, Disclaimer, yeah. it can't. Can't happen. <laughs> Not possible. Um, so, anyway, hopefully you come and see us at one of these shows this weekend, um, and you tune in next week as well, because we're going to have a... Another great topic for you next week. Yep. God knows what it will be. As WWE like to say to me in our negotiations, that's TBD to <laughs> be determined. <laughs> yes. There's a little Very insider good. scoop for you, isn't oh. there? We're talking the Fed lingo now. Yeah, but just to be um, adamant, that's not a recent conversation. That that's, was a long that's, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. that's definitely <laughs> not a recent <laughs> conversation, no. Um, the, the summer of independence is well and truly underway, so that was not a recent conversation. No. We're going back at least 12 months. So, um, follow me on Twitter at Boy Simmons, B O Y S I M M O N Z, as well as follow me on Instagram, please, B O Y S I M M O N Z 1984. Every time you say that, I'm like, terrible handle. Anyway, follow me on Twitter at A Quilden, A Q U I L D A N. I'm getting a lot of steam recently with some of my quirky tweets. So, uh, Nick, who runs a RevPro fans group, said, My Twitter was becoming un on par with David Stars, and David Stars is so good. He has it as a nickname. I'm really good at Twitter, or something like that. Oh right. So well, I did a tweet about you today. And you're oh, terrible just back parking. off. No need. Absolutely no need. That's bullying. Cyberbullying. If I had so, any internet connection, I'd just read it and then. So everyone who's laughing, you, uh, you keep. Check out my Twitter. Give whatever. it a like. Show in. Show Andy how what a terrible driver. He has to. He has to use me. He has to use me um, to to try and boost up his likes. So he knows. Oh, I'll tag Andy in and. You yeah, know, he's got like try and make it more relevant. Got about a hundred more followers than me. Hundred more Twitter for eight hundred more. Hundred more, still a hundred more, and I don't tweet enough. We've already discussed that, but when I do, it's a good tweet. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Good night. Bye. Later.